0: Potadelphia! My name is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter, at Chuck Siders. You can find the show, at Potadelphia. And this week, I'm joined by one guy who is still getting over his food coma. Gene, how are you? Um, I, I was
1: able to uh, sort of stumble into the recording studio to... Um, I guess the tryptophan is finally wearing off. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really not sure if it was like a Thanksgiving hangover, or if it was uh, a lack of Eagles offense hangover, um, it's, it could be a it could have been a combination. Uh, and, and and honestly, for those of you that are wondering why it's already uh, Thursday and you're you're just hearing us now, you know the urgency for the Eagle season has sort of left the building. So, uh, yeah. but my name is Gene Zilak, and you can find me on Twitter at producer Gene. And uh, I don't know if you said this already, but you can find the show at Potadelphia. And if we've already said it, well, now you've heard it twice.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, now extra incentive to go to go look us up. But yeah, there was no way in hell we were going to record a show after that Monday night game. We said it last week, you know, just a couple things arose and made sense to kick the show back in the week. But you would have been maybe treated to a very angry Dave and just a whole bunch of Feeling defeated. So another week, another Eagles loss. Um Gene, you specifically cite the offense. Um, maybe let's start on a little bit of a positive note. The defense for the second week in a row looked respectable.
1: Yeah, you know? I thought Brandon Graham had one of his best games of what has become his best season. Um so, yeah, I thought that there were a lot of positives to take away from uh, from the, the defensive side of the game. I thought that Jim Schwartz sort of played a – called a pretty good game. And, f- you know, despite everything, they hung in the game for a lot longer than they probably should have, uh, being completely unable to score any points.
0: Yeah, no, the, the – Pete Carroll, I think, did us a bit of a favor. Um, I had listened to the start of the game – uh, on the radio, and uh, Meryl and Mike were having a debate as to who is Pete Carroll showing disrespect to. Is it to the defense or is it to our offense? And Mike was saying defense, and Merrill saying, "Nope, it's the offense." Yeah, I think that's because right on. E- and I agree. I agree. Even if they stopped the Eagles' offense, they couldn't do anything. It was how many consecutive three and outs? Well, uh, well, several three and outs in a row. I think there was like a four and out. Or right. something mixed in there, but for the first half, the, there was nothing. There was nothing to enjoy about that offense. It was it was comically bad. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, and and I, the thing that's other the you know re, re, leading up to the game, reading about it, a lot of people were citing how poorly Seattle's defense has been. Um, yeah. They're they and they even brought it up in the broadcast. They are sort of on pace for some historically bad um numbers defensively. Although the last two weeks they have played better, and they're they have the easiest schedule in the NFL to close the season. So uh, they're going to be a playoff team with a improving but probably bad defense. Uh, I don't know that this is a Seattle that's even as good as last year's team, but. One thing that you do know when you're playing Seattle is that you're going to get Russell Wilson, and uh, he's also having another one of his MVP, you know, top three finisher, if not the MVP, depending on how things close out. Um, he's having that kind of year again. So I think that there's partly it's Pete Carroll that he's willing to sort of show disrespect to to the to the Eagles' offense, but also I think he was leaning on. What he knows is the stronger aspect of his own team by um trying to put the Eagles sort of away early by going for on fourth and and you know goal um you sort of you sort of know that the eagles are are not a team that's good playing from behind early, and y- you try to j- you try to jump on them. I think that's yeah, that's sort of been the mo the the the, the oper- you know the motto of of operation for everybody that's played us this, this year.
0: Yeah, the um, you can just say "mo," yeah, you know, as opposed to you right. know, trying to flex your Latin. I know, I and know, diet. and I
1: should have taken Latin in high school; It would have been way more handy than the like the fact that I know the Spanish colors.
0: I I know "un um, peu" the French, um, but most of that has has gone away. I don't blame Pete Carroll at all for for going for it. Why the hell not? You know, like you said, Gene, just put the Eagles out of their misery early. And it was miserable. It was certainly, it was certainly miserable. You know, as the the game went on, the offense showed up a bit. When they went into that no huddle towards the end of the the first half, it there looked like there's some life there. And I've, <laughs> I think I officially said on the show I've turned into a Carson hater. <laughs> you know, it's he has fallen into that category of. Even if he redeems himself, and I'm rooting so hard for him to redeem himself, I'm always going to dislike him a little bit um, for this stretch. But in the no huddle, he started being a mobile quarterback again, which is something we haven't seen in a while. And I thought it was like purposely taken out of his game because maybe he couldn't do it due to injury or they're trying to preserve him. But when you have an offensive line, that was okay. This game, it was okay. You know, it was still, we have a bad offensive line, but Carson had some time to make some poor throws. Um, but when your offensive line is so porous and you can take off and run, I feel like it was the first time all season we saw Carson doing that. And lo and behold, the offense got some traction. And so that, that gave me some optimism. You know, it all went out the window by the end of the game. Right. But it, it looked like a Carson Wentz I haven't seen all season.
1: The interesting thing, and it's it's interesting that you brought up that that he sort of re-established that sort of scrambling mentality, and I, I sort of took note of the same thing. I wonder if what Carson Wentz is sort of, mod of, mod of or modeling his game after at the moment or, or, or what he's sort of mentally going through is, is he trying to play... Sort of a Patrick Mahomes style, um, that sort of, um, you know, he's always been sort of a risk taker, a gunslinger, if you want to say. You know, when I think about gunslinger, I think more of like the Brett Favre like mode. Um, I don't know. I guess I've never seen uh, until this year really never saw Carson that way. Um, I always thought of Brett Favre. It, it was it was like that sure that that strength of his arm that really was his his best weapon was. I'll make this throw because I can throw it past you. Um, You know, I don't see Carson Wentz throwing the ball past anybody. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's like his meant like mentally where he's at. What I do see, and this is something we talked about a lot, is there are so many plays where if something early in the play, whether it's the offensive line or the look, uh, you know, gets disguised and he misreads the coverage. he is just determined to play hero ball and yeah. no matter – at this point, you have to imagine that the coaches have sort of said work within the system, do – you know, try to do what the play is called, get rid of, Get rid of it when you can um, – a lot of these guys that we called gunslingers, you know, your Brett Favre's and stuff, if you really do go back and look, you know, and it's not like Doug Peterson doesn't have a relationship with Brett Favre. He was his backup quarterback. Um, yeah. yeah. Th- these were guys, they weren't doing these sorts of things on first and six from inside your own 30. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And and Carson is still making those those sorts of mistakes where in those situations and I, I think in like that exact situation happened in the Dallas game where they were inside the thirty the, if they had gotten three points they were going to get the second half kick and they could have put up you know that could have been a six ten point swing but instead he throws an interception on first down um, those sorts of things those mental lapses those you know it makes you sort of wonder is he even aware of the the situation in the way that you would think a fifth-year quarterback in the league would be? And is yeah. that really the bigger problem is that he's sort of either mentally checked out or he is overthinking or underthinking given situations? Uh, it certainly is affecting his mechanics because so many of interceptions can be just, you know, you look at the, where his feet are or or, or, or how his hips placed. Um professional defensive backs are reading all of this body language and know exactly where that ball is going to be missed. Um so I don't know. I mean it's it's amazing that you have a guy who's making thirty million dollars in his fifth year and suddenly has regressed to things that you didn't see even in him in his rookie year. It's 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 a crazy phenomenon to me.
0: Uh, yeah, and, and maybe it's the the yips or are or whatever it's, I do see that hero ball mentality, that gunslinger mentality, but you gotta be able to sling the damn gun. Right. You know, if it's going to be you know, far, if I think of just being brazen about it and going, I'm going to throw into two man coverage and you know what, I'm going to find the exact window to get that ball there. Or I know what my receiver is going to do. And I'm going to, it to the point where he can stretch out and, and pull it in. Carson's goes, I'm going to throw into two-man coverage. And I'm going to throw a duck. Right. You know, and you, you have somebody, you know, you have uh, Goddard standing 10 feet away going, I'm open. We only need four yards. Right. Um, I think it was, I don't know, if it was this week, I think it was two weeks ago where I said in our sports text chat, that Carson Wentz is the dumbest fucking quarterback in the league. Yeah. Um, I don't stand by that. Um, I'd have to look at all the other quarterbacks, but his, his football IQ has really been struggling. Again, on the positive side, when they were going no huddle, he did seem to see the field a little better. But I don't want him to be a gunslinger. I want him to be accurate. Like, I didn't feel in his first few years in the league that accuracy was a huge problem for him. You know, it wasn't, he wasn't Donovan, which (laughs) the happiest man in the world has got to be Donovan McNabb right now. Yeah. Because Um, I mean, he
1: was, it was on track that he was going to, he was going to fall in the uh, Eagles um, greatest quarterback of all time rankings. And Mm -hmm. um, it seems like with every passing week, um, you know, Donovan's able to sort of like just, shine up that that stat wall you know yeah. <laughs> every intercept you know he's probably got a, a tote board that he just checks off you know every every interception that that carson throws you know that's yeah, one worm one balls thing. are not
0: looking so bad right now are yeah, they?
1: yeah no i would take some of those worm burners any day of the week it's interesting yeah. I, one of the things that i was really really thinking about today was um you know the eagles didn't have to put us in this situation um mentally where we would have gotten so excited about the possibility of Jalen Hurts getting more than two snaps this week. Um, now they 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 have continued uh, their their poor uh, marketing, poor poor fan interaction <laughs> that they've done since the draft when they drafted Jalen Hurts. Um, we all sort of shake our heads and go, "Well, you know, it's a bad football team. We probably could use an extra offensive lineman right now who who has talent, uh, but instead you drafted another." quarterback now okay we're into the season uh we're going to use him sparingly and and then (laughs) coming
0: generous to say sparingly. (laughs) coming into this
1: week for some reason the 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 story starts to come out this is the week that we're going to see more of jalen hurts we got two snaps now i think both those snaps came and carson was not on the field
0: so, I think he was on the field for one of them. The okay. first one he was not on the field for. Yeah, and
1: I think it was like a six-yard completion. So, you know, he yeah. got to act like a real quarterback. But he, <laughs> I guess here's my question. While, at what point do, if you're Doug Peterson, and I think the the conversation, as much as I, I hate to even think, you know, if you would ask me this in August, I wouldn't have even been able to really entertain the thought. But he, I would think his job is on the line now. Uh, From everything that I'm kind of understanding about the way Jeffrey Lurie feels and not going to the game in Cleveland, um, he's fed up. And and if he's if there's one thing that you can do, you can fire the coach. It's hard to fire all of the players.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's no go, Jim. uh,
1: So I guess the the big question is, if you're Doug Peterson, at what point, if you start to feel that the seat's getting warm, and if he doesn't feel that the seat's getting warm, I think he's I, I think something must have happened to, to, well, over the summer, um, but I mean, you have to look at your, your your personnel and be like, "What? Literally, what do I have to lose by trying something else?" You know, there there is such a thing as being benched for ineffectiveness. Um, yeah, you know, and it, and there's nothing in the bylaws that says by putting in a player and winning the game, you, you you can't go back to your starting quarterback. These things had... This happened in Donovan McNabb's career. It happened mm-hmm. in Randall Cunningham's career. Uh, if, if we're just talking about Eagles quarterbacks. Um, sometimes you need to rattle the cage. And, and, I mean, what have you got to lose? There is, to a certain degree, even though maybe me, the, the fan, is checked out of this season. Um, if you're Doug Peterson collecting a check... Uh, you're sort of responsible to not check out of the season. (laughs) Uh, You're sort of responsible to try to win and try to make the playoffs. And uh, I I just don't understand at what point does, A, his insistence on calling the games the way he is, uh, and and by the same note, like not utilizing your personnel in the way that could possibly win you a game. I mean, unless he's just so convinced that Jalen Hurts doesn't have it, or um, he just... He's just gonna he's gonna ride that that Carson Wentz train right right off the rails if he has to. Uh, I don't know. What what <laughs> do you think?
0: I I don't know. Well, I, I think you bring up a lot of great points, and Doug has to be feeling. He has to know that that the pressure is on, and that nobody's happy right now. I don't know what the hell the plan is with Jalen Hurts. When they drafted him, I really thought, okay, here is your your breaking case of emergency quarterback because we're worried about the long-term health of Carson Wentz. This to me never said we don't think he's a good quarterback. When they drafted him, I thought it was, oh, they're they're worried about Wentz's health, which for good reason. For yeah. good reason. That's not a bad idea. Maybe taking him when he did, as opposed to, you know, buying, you know, drafting somebody as more of a scratch-off ticket and go, well, Maybe maybe they can be the real deal, or may, maybe they'll just be the backup. But what's the plan with Hertz? Two plays? Why? What exactly. is he getting out of it? What is? What are the Eagles' offense getting out of it? They well, you they even saw when it... they
1: first brought him in. It immediately there was immediately a false start because if They're... you start swapping quarterbacks in randomly in the middle of a play, in the middle of a of a drive, um you're messing with the cadence you're messing with the way that the the, the things are called and uh, you know one thing that I think is maybe underappreciated uh in in watching a lot of the NFL football uh, watching a lot of NFL football is how precise just getting a playoff mm-hmm. is you know it's amazing to me that there isn't false starts and offsides literally on every on every down and that guys yep. get off as fast as they do um so when you've got a bad offensive line to begin with, you know, do you want to add the, the added difficulty level of, of changing quarterbacks, calling the
0: signals every other play? It doesn't
1: make any sense.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so much, it's so much risk for such little gain. And it's, it almost feels like I'm getting, getting visions of two quarterbacks, first seasons in Philly and they're Donovan and, and Vic. And it feels almost like well just letting them play here or there you know there's there was no preseason okay kind of like when Doug Peterson was our quarterback and McNabb was just there to 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 learn until they said okay season's over kid the ball's yours it it almost feels like we're doing that with Hurts but i mean we're not we're clearly not and we're not doing we're not utilizing him like we utilize Michael Vick, which he's not Michael Vick. Mm-mm. I mean, there's really there's only ever been one Michael Vick. Right for for all the quarterbacks who uh could run, there's never been one better at running and throwing and staying healthy. Maybe not staying on the right side of the law, <laughs> right. but staying healthy. Um, like Michael Vick. Although not it, good at sliding. No, God, that's I was so conflicted when he was with the Eagles. I had such a hard time rooting for him although I would always go like no, he paid his debt to society. He should have a job. I just kind of feel a little weird going like, "Hey, Vic." Yeah. Um, but but oh, I would scream to slide, slide like you're you're not that big. You're going to get yourself killed. But when you bring Vic in, you know, for and Vic was used a lot more often in those gadget kind of plays, it really is Everything's on the table for this one play. Right? Is it just going to be like Vic Wildcard formation, uh, Wildcat formation? Is it going to be Vic, you know, throwing a deep ball, a short ball, handing it off? You really throw the defense on their heels. Jalen Hurts comes out. It's like, well, it's going to be a running play. Right. He's throwing like what twice, you know. But you know, and, he
1: did throw you know Monday night, and it's not like this guy has got Rodney Pete's arm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He 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 threw a a, a what could have been considered a professional pass for six yards, like, and it was
0: the the biggest passing game we had of the night so far.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it was one of the one of the one of it was at the time the longest gain of the of the day, and I think finally yeah. got us into positive territory. It's it's just crazy to me that going all the way back to the decision to draft him. You know, what I mean, when when Aaron Rodgers is drafted uh, t- behind Brett Favre, Brett Favre is an elder statesman. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's 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 all, certainly on his way, um, out. Like it is certainly this is going to be the air apparent. Um, yeah, this is you just paid Carson Wentz to be your franchise quarterback. You're supposed to be in a position where you do not need to draft a quarterback in the second round. That is not a position of need. So, like, at, in what world is 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 that quarterback? the best player on the board and certainly you know of all of the positions that this team could use right now you don't have a player now that could be producing at a high level um and and you have now built in from they want from from draft night a quarterback controversy whether you wanted to or not by mm-hmm. bringing in a quarterback in the second round you are telegraphing to your fan base your lack of confidence in the quarterback you just say whatever you want Like, I get it. You're going to tell us that he's the man, but we can all see what's happening. This is before we've actually seen him implode. And now here we are. And by hook or by crook, we are not out of the realm of possibility of winning this division.
0: Yeah. What are we, a half game out of first?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, imagine if we had won the Bengals game. Imagine if we had won, you know, Monday night. But here we are. And no. even with all of this with three wins and and looking down the barrel of possibly not even getting maybe two more this year, although I have almost no confidence that we can beat the Washington team. No. But at this point, what are you what are you if you're Doug Peterson, what have you got to lose by either tr- changing the way you are calling the plays? Mm-hmm. You know, play to your strength, play to the roster strength, And I know, you know, Dave likes to say, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But what they really need to do is put Carson in positions where he's either making less reads or, you know, he is rolling out and it's designed for him to have the option to either run or throw. And he's going to and they have to have him in a position where he can make quicker decisions.
0: Um, Yeah. And one point I want to touch on that you, you sort of alluded to earlier, there has to be accountability. You know, I think it was Brian Baldinger um, broke down a play um, on Twitter and just showed, you know, here's Wentz looking past two wide open receivers and then throwing into double coverage and just throwing an absolute duck that we were lucky was not intercepted. I mean, that might not have been the exact breakdown, but it's something similar to that happened. And so he pointed out to the receivers, like, look how frustrated they are. Look how angry they are. If if Carson Wentz is a liability, you got sh- you you owe it to the rest of your team to to bench him to go. He's not bigger than the team, right? Especially with what was that, you know, Billy Penn article or Philly whatever article of of you know the the animosity in the locker room. Yeah. You know, there's probably some truth to that, and now the guy's stinking up the joint and he can't get benched. So Doug needs a plan. Doug needs Doug needs a plan. Doug needs to determine what he's gonna do and do it. You know, if not for the team for his own damn job. Yeah.
1: You know, there it, came to a point in Chip Kelly's reign as the head coach where um you know, when he first started, I loved the idea of the Eagles offense becoming something that was innovative. I love the idea yes. of being a team that's different to to seeing something that you're not going to see in, in, in any other uh, games when you watch the Eagles play. And, you know, for like one game, for like one half of football, that was true. And it was great. Um, But then the rest of the NFL was like, oh, yeah, this is dumb. We'll just pretend we're hurt and stop this nonsense. Um yeah. <laughs> So... You know, by the by the time you know, and then his just arrogance and and getting rid of all the players I liked also didn't help. Um, so you know, it got to a point where it was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm I am not. Uh, you know, I I don't want to get this to continue, and I was I was happy that he had left. It, but I have a very opposite feeling. At least I did, maybe up until this week, with Doug Peterson. I really want Doug Peterson to succeed. I really want Doug Peterson to be. A tenured coach, as long as Andy Reid was here, I, you know, yeah. I, I really want us to be able to say the guy that won the Super Bowl had a, a had a, a a record. You know, he he hasn't had a bad record as a coach. He, he's only missed the playoffs one other time, but mm-hmm. you know, the arrow is suddenly not just sort of wavering down, but it's 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 like it fell off the cliff and and is 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 headed straight into the ground. And I don't want to watch a guy who I have. An immense amount of respect for and will be forever grateful for how for for having the the chutzpah that he did to call the game he did in the in the in the Super Bowl I, I don't want to watch this guy unravel I don't want to watch yeah. the plane go down I I would rather um we pile we you know we quietly take him out the back door and uh <laughs> And and Old hand him room. it. And, well, I was thinking more more like a lounge singer, you know what I mean? And just and just hand uh, him an envelope, and then you know, and then bring in the younger, sexier guy. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what the best way to to sort of put your Super Bowl winning coach out the pasture is, but I, I would rather watch that than watch what I'm watching every week right now.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I I don't want. I don't want my feelings for Doug to be sullied. I want him to either turn it around, which is what I really want, or for him to be let go and for us to go, oh man, they should really give Doug a chance to turn it around and then have him be a part of the Eagles broadcast, whatever, have him around the team and just be like, oh, our favorite court, you know, the Buddy Ryan treatment. You know, Buddy Ryan was a saint in this town, you know, didn't win shit. I mean, he played around football we all love, but didn't win anything. Doug Peterson won us the Super Bowl. He he plays that that gambler style that's really fun when when the dice come up your way, but but yeah, I, I agree. Let's And you can
1: gamble when you have, you know, to a certain degree you can gamble when you get cards. You you can't yeah. you can't play poker and bluff every hand. Cuz eventually yeah. you're going to get called.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people people are
1: going to know you don't have shit. And, Doug, yeah. when you have a roster that's not good, and, it, you know, your offense is bad, Doug. It's bad. You've got to play a way more simpler brand of football, and you have got to be a lot more conservative and fucking take points when they're there, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know you don't have any faith in your kicker. I get it. We don't have any faith in your kicker either. But for God's sake... If you don't think that you can make a 40-yard field goal in an NFL game, you need to cut the guy and bring in another kicker. Yep. Like you or you know what I mean like don't go into a game where you have no faith in a kicker. Like hold a tryout, find another kicker. It literally happens all of the time. And yep. and I don't I don't understand how, you know, you can't just you you can't just keep doing the same thing every week and expecting a different result. It's the definition of insanity,
0: <laughs> or at least the sports radio definition of insanity. That, that I heard, I think you know the first time I heard that phrase was on sports radio, and it always held true to me. And it's I almost always associate it with with sports. Yeah. Um, you know, insanity might be a problem with the Eagles, but. Covid nineteen, we're doing kind of okay on. Um, I think we're we're doing a lot better than the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, so, we did have we, a
1: uh, we did have what the receiving core basically uh, yeah. have to sort of self isolate. I guess that was the, um, I guess that was probably the worst we've had specifically in our in our in our building.
0: Yeah, to my memory, to my memory, yeah, that's the worst we've had. But the NFL is a petri dish right now, man. And its we are recording this on Wednesday, the day that uh, the Steelers and the Ravens finally played, if I'm correct. Um, It's not good right now. The NFL is plowing forward, and it really is just going to be... All right, if somebody gets sick, somebody gets sick. and God, you hope nobody dies from it, but right now there doesn't seem to be much precautions. This is the NFL looks like right now what I feared Major League Baseball was going to be. I think I think when baseball started back up, if you go back and listen to the shows, I was saying the season's not gonna make it past three weeks. Yeah, this NFL season's gonna get played. It might be played by you and I, you know, or or people off the street. But the NFL is not stopping for anybody.
1: Now, I mean, I guess the bigger question becomes, you know, we're fast approaching the return of the arena sports. Um, Hockey and uh, the NBA are going to be back. I know the NBA, I think, opens on December 22nd. You may know exactly when the NHL starts. I know it's soon. I thought it was after the new year, but...
0: Well, the original plan was for January 1st. That does not look like it's going to happen. Late January, February is now much more likely. But the NHL actually, you know, they probably have the most secure bubble. Uh, Although, again, kudos to the NBA. They're bubble in Florida. I don't know how the hell that worked, but it it worked for them. So kudos it, to them.
1: It it there's smaller rosters, and you know they were all in one place, and it was it was yeah. really just the playoffs. So you're even talking less than the full league. So I yeah. think that that was a huge help uh, to how the NBA was sort of able to finish their season. It's it's going to be interesting to see, and and this is sort of what I was driving at when the arena teams come back. I, I don't think the plan is to go like the full we're going to go to one place and play the whole season in one in one city sort of plan for for the NHL and the NBA. I could be wrong. I, I, I think that the NBA is still sort of going to have have teams travel to a certain degree.
0: Yeah, I know that for the the NBA. Well, I think I, I and sorry if we're incorrect here, people, but I'm pretty sure that the NBA is doing kind of the the MLB model. Um, you know empty arenas to my knowledge and um, although that might vary on state and traveling the NHL last I heard it's going to be a series of bubbles with teams moving in and out of the bubble um, because the players don't want to be away from their families again and you yeah. can't sustain that for a whole season yeah so it's going to be like a four division bubble four divisional bubbles um one division is going to be just all Canada um and maybe the Flyers go into the bubble for 2 weeks and they're out for 5 days and then back in the bubble for another So two the idea weeks would or, be
1: you would be playing and then you would have a week off and then while you're out you're not playing games.
0: Correct. Interesting. So it's um it, it's still being ironed out the NHL probably because of you know how how much more restrictive Canada is with this is taking it a little more slowly. There's there's a labor issue that, um, that we can get into if you want. I don't think it's going to be a terribly big deal um, of how much the NHL would like the players to you know defer some compensa- compensation for this next season, right. despite agreeing to something only four months ago. I, that's not gonna be a big deal. It that won't hold up the season. I think it really will be coming up with a plan, feeling as if they're ready to go. I don't see any scenario in which it happens by January first because, you know, not to bring the real world into it too much. Things are gonna get worse before they get better, right. Um right now, the Covid is at its worst in our country. Uh, in the world right, right now i i i don't want to speak to that i don't know if some people are trending better but to my knowledge everybody's trending worse it hasn't been worse with COVID, um and the this these next two months might be really really ugly so it might be hard to justify going okay we're coming back and playing and a record number of people are dying so the NHL is definitely proceeding cautiously, but I, I, I sus- if I had to guess, I'd say January. Sorry, February first, something like that, and you know, hopefully they did it well in the bubbles. Hopefully the NBA and the NHL can can play safely or just have better plans for. For when people do get sick, so you're not looking at a situation like, why the hell did the Broncos have to play on Sunday?
1: Well, and and that was going to be, a, you know, maybe my next point was, if you're if you're looking at if your favorite team is the Denver Broncos or or, or some of the, or, or the Steelers, the Ravens in, in this case this week. Um, you know, why are you excited about a product where, you know, an NFL team is starting a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback? Um yeah. You know, I guess the bigger question is, do you think that the way this NFL season is is playing, playing out, do you think that it was has done more harm or more good to the image of the NFL? Do you think that things are better for them because they've sort of the show must go on uh, attitude? Or do you think it would have been sort of a a smarter decision to let's fold up the tent for this year and um, we'll see you next year. We're going to play it safe.
0: That's a really good question because and I started answering it in the middle, but the longer you went on, I, I gave it more thought. Because if the alternative was football or no football and plowing on through is is what they're doing, uh, I don't think it looks good for the NFL. Uh, but I think there'd be a large contingency of, of NFL fans, um, probably one in, in the White House right now, um, who would be screaming that the NFL should be playing and, you know, maybe they'd be advocating for playing in bubbles or whatever, but I I think the NFL has looked the most cavalier and careless and given their history um, of their attitude towards their own players, it, it, it does nothing to dispute that it does nothing to be your value is in how well you play this game shut up and play the game right you know i am gonna bring it back to hockey once again because that's the sport i know best i often get really frustrated when the nhl gets painted as this purely you know evil league and you know they're they're only interested in it for themselves and you know they they, they don't care about the players and they lie about concussions And there, I mean, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to, you know, the, the, the owners and the board of governors care about the bottom line and have some neglect at least towards the players, but they are not in the NFL. And I see too often people just transposing the, the NFL narrative over to NHL and, um, i don't see that in basketball or baseball because they're not collision sports but going oh yep the the nhl is as bad as the nfl they don't really say that but they they treat them the same and that's really not true the nfl it it wasn't just negligent it was practically a conspiracy to, to to cover up the concussion issues we talked about it the other week uh with dave uh, the character issues with these guys, you know, they the the NFL talks about reaching out to to women and to minorities and, you know, just to make the game inclusive. And, you know, the amount of guys who have abused women and stay in the league and the way the players treat their sorry, the way the owners treat their black players when it comes to things like Black Lives Matter and, you know, cut. Co- You know, Colin Kaepernick not having a job, you know, at this point that that ship may finally sail regardless of politics, but it doesn't make the NFL look good. It's for someone like us. And I hate I hate that sports now might even be politicized that that, you know, if you vote for Biden, you wish the NFL canceled the season or if you voted for Trump, you you are happy that the NFL is is showing they're not. Afraid of COVID playing, so that was a really long-winded way of saying. I think for a certain segment of the population, this does not help the NFL. For the other segment of the population, probably canceling the season, there'd be a different sort of podcast having the same sort of conversation about the NFL being bad for that.
1: Yeah, and and I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's. I don't think it, it, that there's a there's a like an A B answer to this. I don't think it's a a, a black and white issue. Uh, so to speak. Um, But, uh, you know, I think it's a little from from both. One of the things I wish was happening was, you know, like for this Ravens and Steelers game, I I wish that there was a better sort of plan in place that, you know, if this season takes us 10 months to play and play safely, then that's how long it's going to take us to play. Um, You know what I mean? If we need to push weeks back forth whatever that's what we'll do you know we'll get all the games in but we're not going to do it foolishly or at the at the cost of public safety uh the player's safety and uh and and to a certain degree when you're when you're playing a game where the there are four quarterbacks on a on a professional team um you know short of a plane crash um that none of them can can play because they went and had thanksgiving dinner um, you know, or wh- whatever caused the exposure, um, you know, it's it, it's it's sort of bad form to still put that product out on the field, and I think that you're going mm-hmm. to see that there are going to be, uh, you know, some wounds left after this season, um, and it'll be interesting to see how things sort of, uh, pan out, you know, when hopefully, you know things return to a sense of normalcy, which you know the, as weeks go by, I start to sort of wonder what normal will ever really be like um it's it's a it's a very strange uh strange world that we've sort of started to cohabitate
0: yeah it's I, I still don't know that you know the I don't know what day it is, I don't know what time it is you talked about you know if the football season takes, you know additional 4 months to play the normal that's what they should do and that honestly would have been really smart just you know f- football is always in high demand go hey you get an extra long season and th- the networks they, they they're desperate for programming i'm sure they would would be happy to show it, it i i don't know how's going to be when things return to normal of what sort of lingering feelings will will be there and and you no know, resentment on the, the players side who knows who knows it's I if I were a Broncos fan I'd be livid if yeah. having to play and having to watch my team play under those conditions and to see the the Ravens and Steelers game keep getting pushed back a day. What's a day gonna do? yeah like you know oh we pushed it back a day we're all safe because covid can't incubate for two weeks like oh we just keep pushing it back a day it it seemed to be well maybe it sounds good but i and and maybe there's some really rational reason there but even the temperature checks i mean let's be honest when they're taking your temperature it's like oh you don't have a temperature you're fine no, you can be asymptomatic. We, we've talked about this. You yeah. know, not that you and I, but I mean, the world, we've talked about this, that you can have no symptoms and spread it. Right. That's why you have to wear a damn mask. And by no symptoms, and, it means no symptoms. <laughs> yeah. It can't be like, oh, you got a fever. Well, yeah, asshole, stay home if you have a fever. <laughs> yeah. But that means it's too late. <laughs> yeah. If you're hacking constantly, you can't walk across the room you're not the person who should be wearing a mask. You're the person who should be home or in a hospital. Right. You know, you wear a mask cause you don't want to get people sick when you're sick and you don't know it. So it's, yeah, it's tough. And I, and it's going to take a while for, for things to return to normal for us to, to look at sports and, and look for, you know, just, just happy stories. And, to look at it and get a, that Cathartic release of Okay this is my escape And you know some Something good happened over the weekend uh, In college football I watch very little uh, College football uh, I do cheer for Boston College um, So I'll watch Them occasionally I know I know uh, Dave's a Penn State fan Gene do you have any College football allegiance?
1: Uh You know, I I, my uh, my uncle was a lifelong uh, Blue Hens uh, University of Delaware football season ticket holder. Um, And um, so I would say that as far as uh, like real rabid sort of um, get caught up in the the sort of excitement of college football, um, it, it, it was a couple of those those runs at titles that that the university of Delaware did. Um, there have been college football teams that I have enjoyed in stretches. I, I honestly was a pretty big fan of that Vince young, um, Texas team. Um, but to say that I was like a, like a, like a, like a sweatshirt wearing, um, you know, go to a whiteout at Penn state kind of guy. It's I'm, you know, like most of Philadelphia, I'm just not a, I'm just not a college sports fan.
0: Yeah, it's not – you touch on it exactly. It's not really our region unless you've gone to Penn State. And and
1: maybe college basketball is the big exception there. You know, I I, I would say that I have um, had connections and found myself rooting for a lot of the big five teams, and there are certainly Mm -hmm. some very deep rivalries that go, um, you know, between your Villanova alumni and fans and St. Joe's and – Temple, of course, um, so yeah, but um, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, I've completely derailed where <laughs> you No, that's point. fine,
0: that's fine. <laughs> I kind derailed it too, so, so no credit for the segue there, but we wanted to talk about uh, Vanderbilt's kicker um, and the history that she made. Her name is Sarah Fuller, and she came in from Vanderbilt's soccer team. I assume that she was like a striker or something. She was the keeper.
1: Yeah, no. And um, that I mean, it sort of makes sense when you're when you're kicking goal kicks, you know, Mm -hmm. um, those are sort of on the ground and and as close probably as you can uh, a close equivalent to kicking, you know, a football field goal.
0: But she made history and with the the kickoff she did for uh, Vanderbilt and it looks like she's going to be traveling with the team potentially uh, to play again this weekend and that was a nice bit of news it was you know a great thing for inclusion in sports and i saw on twitter you know some people pictures of like their daughters looking up and watching her her kick off and just how that resonates with so many people um and of course there's a ton of trolls out there saying you know they any random given guy could do better and we don't really have time for them but Gene, you wanted to talk about, you know, th- this question of where do we think the the first foray of a, a woman into professional sports, um, you know, the four major, well, maybe five, maybe cl- include MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think the first real opportunity or the most likely area for a woman to, to play um, in the big sports leagues, maybe to excel, maybe a pathway for, you know, consistency of women's players coming in.
1: Well, yeah. And, and I, you know, it's hard to not see something like what happened to Sarah Fuller or uh, I guess maybe the other sort of big news, uh, you know, or at least interesting to me was, I don't know if you watched any of the um, women's national team game, um, but uh, t- this was the first pl- uh, time a player who was born in the, um, in this century was, was, um, was suited up for the, uh, uh, for, for the women's national team, um, which of course made me feel ancient, um, (laughs) (laughs) like I've accomplished nothing. Um, but, uh, it is sort of an amazing thing that, um, you know, generationally that, you know, we've sort of, we're sort of entering a new, uh, a new future and, and possibly the, the, the positive things are, you you know, we're, we're getting to a generation that is a lot more. And, and I, at least I optimistically think is a lot more inclusive of all sorts of different types of people. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe we might see, uh, the gender barrier broken. Um, you know, is there certain sports where, you know, uh, I mean, obviously you have Danica Patrick who was able to sort of break it in auto racing. Um, There isn't really a a limitation. Um, You know, if you can drive a car, you can drive a car. You know, I think it would – I mean, I'm sure that there would be people that uh, don't believe in science uh, that would tell you (laughs) otherwise. But, uh, I mean, Danica Patrick has, you know, performed at a professional level uh, as a driver, you know, for a long time. Um, I I don't think that there's anybody that can dispute that there's no reason why you couldn't have another many female – drivers in it, all sorts of levels of, of auto racing. And I think that's a great thing. But eventually, I really do think that you may see the gender barrier broken in professional sports. And it's going to take somebody having a real leap of faith. Um, I I am on record, and I don't know if it was on this podcast, but I have always said that I believe that the first woman you'll see in a professional sport is going to be in the NFL. I think that there is such a high likelihood that you could see a female kicker um, that can succeed and be consistent at a level that would be um, that would be the type that you would want to include on your team. Um, Mm -hmm. And you've seen it at lower levels of college sort of already, but the, what happened at Vanderbilt, this was a huge step because, and I don't know if it was tied necessarily to just what's going on and that you know, you need to have whoever can can do it, you know, whoever's healthy and safe in this bubble, you know, get out there and kick. Um, but it's another case of, you know, if you don't believe in science, you know, if you can kick, you can kick. If you can yeah. hit the ball 60 yards, you know, we've seen it. We've seen Carly Lloyd do it. We have seen women yeah. who certainly have the physical traits to put the ball through the uprights from a distance that would be considered elite.
0: Mm-hmm. Right now, yeah, I, I, I
1: feel like Doug Peterson would appreciate Carly Lloyd coming from South Jersey. And I might have more confidence than, in her than in the kicker he has now.
0: If Carly Lloyd could get, like, two preseason games, I, I would, I honest to God, would refer her to Elliot. Um, just, I would think she would have maybe not the distance that Elliot has, because Elliot has a lot of distance, but maybe much more accuracy. But yeah, that's the, the kicker option does make a hell of a lot of sense. And just look at the, the physicality of the kickers on the team. Now, you know, kickers are not, I mean, they're, they're professional athletes, but they're not huge. So, you don't need to be a big hulking person, right? And, um, I'm of course going to go to hockey. I probably think you're right, I probably do think the first inroads will be, you know, a kicker in the NFL just because it's a transferable skill from the soccer powerhouse that, that the U.S. is. You know, there's gonna become a time where we have too many women who are good at soccer. You, know, you can't make the national team. You're gonna have to settle for for kicking in men's uh, men's football. Yeah, and and that's a bit of hyperbole, but probably not. They're you know talking about some of even born this century when you have a whole you know when you say American soccer, when you say U.S. soccer, I don't think of the men's team. No, neither do I. But, and it's not even. It's not on purpose. It is, they're irrelevant. And if they become relevant, that'd be cool. I'd love it. I mean, but if you really think about it, by missing the last World Cup, you are,
1: you you know, you may have been born and be in like the fourth or fifth grade and have never seen the U.S. men compete in a World Cup game.
0: (laughs) So, you know I mean? If
1: you, you know, if you think to when you were, you know, when I was growing up, can you imagine being in a little league team and be like, Oh, I, I, you know, I never saw, uh, you know, a a professional baseball player or I, you know,
0: I, yeah, that's probably a bit overstating it, but no, 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 but I, but actually it's kind of fair. It's just uh, for, for, you know, for, for Eugene, for, for so many to, to flip it around, think of, you know, so many boys playing little league baseball in the eighties and going, yeah, well, there are good men who can play baseball, but it's really the, the the women who dominate baseball. Right. That that's how it is for 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 young boys in the U.S. right now. You know, kids and soccer. <laughs> our soccer stars are all women, and I think it's great for just everybody. But there is going to be this interest in the sport, and there are going to be tons of women. You know. Come 18 years old, who might not be on that track for the U.S. women's national team, but might have an outlet to go out for the football team, you know, go out for that kicking position. In hockey, um, there was some talk uh, a few years back when some women competed in the All-Star game. And, you know, could could a woman play in the NHL? And I think the answer is definitely yes. First off, you think of goaltending um there's nothing to to physically prevent a, a woman from playing on the same elite level as a man um look at carter hart you know he's not a huge guy this there's a trend for bigger and bigger goalies but it doesn't have to be that way so you can get someone like a nora ratty or um a shannon uh Shavaz i'm gonna mispronounce her name um you know, who are great women's goalies that could have hung around NHL circles. They probably didn't have enough skills to get into the NHL, I'd I'd say, but that is probably more of an institutional thing of the training they're getting, the environment of you know making sure that women goaltenders are are playing at the same level as men. So I think there's definitely an inroad there. And in the skaters as well, hockey's a physical sport, but people are like, well, women can play it. Women can play it. And I used to try to shut people down by going, all right, here's Hillary Knight. And here's Johnny Goudreau. She has like five inches on him and like 40 pounds. If he can play in the NHL, so could an elite-level female player. Now, unfortunately, the the pipeline isn't there. Right. There comes a time where you don't have that elite-level competition in the United States and throughout the rest of the world, too. There's a big chasm. It's USA, Canada, big gap, everybody else. There is maybe Finland... Um, Japan occasionally, but they're really not in the same level. Um, not, definitely at not the Russians. Maybe the Swedes. Probably the Finns are the third best female team in the league, but it's USA, Canada, and everybody else. So I think there's a possibility there. It's probably going to take longer. You don't hear much of it in baseball. You, you would think there'd be some overlap there, but maybe it's... You know, baseball, well, I, I mean, think Ken th- Burns described it once of, you know, the perfect distance of, you know, 90 feet here or there and just the smallest of margins make the biggest difference in baseball. Yeah. But what were you going to say, Gene? Well, think back to, you know, we, we just
1: being in this area, there was that Little League, uh, that year with Little League where, you know, the star was a female pitcher. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that... And, 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 and probably to your point or Ken Burns's point or whichever person he was quoting, um, you know, maybe there is because of it's such a, a game of such small differences um, that y- you may not see that yet. But I, I guess sort of to to counter that point, there isn't anything necessarily about the game of baseball that would make it impossible, maybe improbable, but impossible that you couldn't have teams that um, there was no reason why you couldn't have anyone of any gender playing yeah. a- on the same team. Um, is it is it likely now? No. But if you just think about the way that human evolution is, if you were to take somebody from 1884 and put them up against a modern athlete, well, things are very different. Both genetically and our diets, and uh, our culture, and 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 how we've developed physically, um, it is not to say that there's anything specifically about the game of baseball that would prohibit. You know, I mean, it's not like you have to have a, sec- a particular set of genitalia to be able to hit a fastball. It's just not true. Um yeah.
0: And
1: and 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 I never really considered to your point in hockey, and I think that probably what would need to shift is you know would people pay money to go in and see a professional hockey game with with a possibility that a 25 or 26 year old man would have to check an 18 or 19 year old girl um yeah. is that the sort of thing you know that culture would be able to accept um would they see that sort of thing as too violent would they see that sort of thing as too dangerous um and you well, know, right is that now, the just, right
0: attitude? Yeah, I just want to jump in on that because you, you might not know this. In women's hockey, there is no checking. Hmm. There now, watch a USA Canada game. You forget that um, because there's <laughs> just because there's no checking doesn't mean that there's no physical contact. But and, and the women they want checking in the game. They do, I, but it's an outdated idea that uh, about fragility or 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 fertility of that oh a a female player could be pregnant and with the the checking in the game you know she gets hit too hard and loses the baby which would be tragic but i think maybe a disingenuous concern yeah um and also a, a professional female athlete would know what she's doing right <laughs> you know to to know it's a possibility or not or to to take measures to make certain that she can't get pregnant during the season or whatever the case may be um but no you bring up a very good point it would be i think it would make a lot of people uncomfortable especially if there's an injury you know yeah. it's and and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that you know, it's there's going to take a, it's going to take a long while to to update, you know, and and readdress uh, a lot of that old fashioned thinking. Before we want to wrap up, um, you mentioned the, the female picture. I, I double checked just to make sure I knew her last name. I mean, first name being a Monet. It's Monet, Moda- Monet Davis. Right, right, right. And it pops up. She's 19 years old now.
1: Uh, now there's another thing I feel old about now.
0: It makes sense. I'm like talking myself into like, well, no, if I thought about it, she was probably 14.
1: Yeah. She was probably 14 when she competed. So five years ago, that's not unreasonable. And yeah, that that
0: makes, that makes sense. It's like, she is a grown ass woman now.
1: But I, but I remember (laughs) at the time, because, you know, you could sort of like, you know, look at her velocity at the time and, you know, project Mm -hmm. it out that it wouldn't have been, we're not talking like hitting like 95 on the radar gun, but Hey, uh, there was a guy that pitched a long time, uh, it, it, you know, for, uh, for Philadelphia, uh, who was a lefty, uh, well into nearly his fifties, uh, who <laughs> didn't throw the ball very, uh, very hard named Jamie Moyer. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could see a, a, a female pitcher that, that threw a crafty pitch or something, you know, or a knuckleballer, um, You know, it it wouldn't necessarily have to be velocity. It's not always about how fast you throw it by a guy, you know. And, hey, like if you ever hear any of those professional sluggers, they say, you know, if you throw me a a ball 105 miles an hour straight, I'm still going to put it in the seats. Um, So, you know, there's more to pitching than just throwing it hard.
0: That's a very good point. And there's more than doing a a sports podcast show than uh, ending it with a penalty box. We're not going to be doing that tonight. Uh, as we wrap up tonight, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, if you didn't enjoy the show, please lie and give <laughs> us good ratings and um, <laughs> good reviews and subscribe. Uh, if you have more time in your podcast listening week, please check out our sister show, The Whip Around, for all your weird news needs. We'll be back most likely on our regular day. We'll see you uh, Monday. Have a great day at work, everybody.